Scripture today is Luke chapter 3, verses 1 through 6. In the fifteenth year of the reign of Tiberius Caesar, Pontius Pilate being governor of Judea, Herod being tetrarch of Galilee, and his brother Philip, tetrarch of the region of Itura and Trachotonius, and Licinius, tetrarch of Abilene, and in the, priest, in the high priesthood of Annas and Caiaphas, Caiaphas, and in the word of God came to John, the son of Zechariah, in the wilderness, and he went into all the region of the Jordan, preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. As it is written in the book of the word of Isaiah the prophet, the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. Every valley shall be filled, and every mountain and hill shall be brought low, and the crooked shall be made straight, and the rough way shall be made smooth, and all flesh shall see the salvation of God. Repent! One of those words we don't hear much anymore, is it? Repent! It's a fun one to say, i got to tell you. Maybe we ought to hear it a little more around here. Repent! You know, you don't hear that, especially in a bleeding heart, mainline, progressive church like this one. We don't really like to talk about those kinds of words. But our story today tells us that John was in the wilderness preaching a baptism of repentance and forgiveness of sins. John was crying out in the wilderness in fulfillment of the Isaiah text proclaiming baptism, repentance, and forgiveness of sins. And for John, this was preparation for the coming of the kingdom of God. Preparing the way, making the mountains low, making the path straight in anticipation of all that Christ would be and do. And repentance and forgiveness, they kind of go hand in hand with one another. Without forgiveness... Repentance is really becomes just an impossible quest for perfection. So what is repentance? You know, again, we hear it a lot. We know it feels like a lot of judgment when it's said to us in some way. And we kind of avoid it in general. But what's it really about? One commentator that I was looking at uh, in preparation said this, God's grace in concert with honest self-examination results in repentance. God's grace in concert with honest self-examination results in repentance. True repentance is partnered with reversal. Kind of a spiritual about-face in motivation and in action. In biblical Hebrew, the idea of repentance is represented by two verbs that become a compound word. Shuv, which means to return or to turn about, and nicham, which means to feel sorrow. So it's really a turning away from that which produces sorrow. To repent, therefore, is to realize our need for healing and forgiveness and to respond by doing a mental, spiritual, and physical 180. You know, and I think we kind of do this automatically. When something out there 
doesn't feel good, when something is causing us pain, when something we are doing doesn't produce joy, we turn away from it, kind of towards something else. Now, of course, i got to point out that sometimes the things we all turn to are not all that helpful. In fact, they tend to compound the problems. Many an addiction is born from trying to turn away from our pain towards something else. Of course, then we have to turn away from that and soon we've, we've got this spinning act going on. We're turning all different directions. Like a ballerina doing pirouettes. You ever see the ballet when they're, they're spinning like 20 times doing pirouettes over and over again? You know, to keep from being dizzy, dancers are taught to find a spot to kind of focus on as they turn. And they kind of return to that spot with every pirouette. They focus on that. And this is ultimately an orientation that allows... Sorry, I'm on the wrong page. (laughs) This is something that takes a lot of practice. Uh, to learn how to do that and to learn how to pirouette without getting dizzy. It's something I can't do. Um, And to return to that spot with each turn. And for us who follow Christ, it is Jesus who is our focal point. And if we can keep our focus on Christ, we are less likely to turn away from our pain towards something that only adds to our problems and causes more pain. So repentance is literally to turn away from sin toward God. Oh, wait a minute, I did it. I said sin. That's another word we don't like to talk about here in the progressive church, right? Is sin. Now I'm getting this. It's starting to turn into a revival, isn't it? We got all these words thrown around repentance, sin, what's coming up next? Uh, you know, when we talk about sin, we have to talk about repentance without, without talking about, or with, we, in talking about repentance, we have to talk about sin. We wouldn't need to talk about repentance if not for all those sins that we have to deal with. The word we translate as sin is actually comes from an archery term in the Old Testament or in the New Testament. It means to literally miss the mark. Thus, sin is ultimately getting off course. And not getting where you are trying to go. Putting yourself on a trajectory away from God and away from what is best for you and what is best for others. So repentance. Turning away from those unhealthy things. Turning away from that sin. That sin which is when we get off course and we're, we're kind of flying off base. None of this is all that scary. What are we so afraid of in these words? I think where we get into trouble with repentance and sin is when people, usually people within the church, such as pastors or some other person of authority, take it upon themselves to point to others and suggest that they know what that person's sin is, and, of course, speaking truth in love, declare that they must repent And then they proceed to explain the consequences of said condemnation. If you don't, the fires of hell. Or something like that. Which is kind of fun to do. (laughs) The fires of hell. You're going to go. 
The problem with this is that it, (laughs) my suspicion is that it's a convenient way to take my mind off my own sins and the things I need to repent of. If I'm busy condemning you, I may not have the time to examine myself and change my own perspective. Jesus spoke to this when He said, Do not point out the speck in your brother's eye before removing the plank from your own. Right? So of course, those of us who are aware and sensitive to this particular situation are loath to bring up anything that would seem the least bit accusatory or judgmental. We wouldn't want anyone to feel judged or condemned in this lovely sanctuary. Amen? Because all that guilt and all of that shame is not really what repentance from our sins and and acceptance of forgiveness is all about. So of course we do that. We, We kind of avoid those things. The problem with that is that then we lose mutual accountability, which is a gift that we have as people who belong to a faith community. Amen? Isn't, isn't it great to have each other to lean on and to learn from? And to, you know, a proverb says, as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. And that's the gift of community. So this feels like we're kind of stuck between two extremes. We have, we have the one thing of repent or die. Or, and then we got the other thing of, hey, I'm okay, you're okay, it's all okay. You know, we love you just the way you are. <laughs> Don't go changing, right? And we get, they feel like kind of two extremes, really. There's got to be something in between there. Uh, and I, I'm not sure we want either of those extremes. What cannot, we cannot hope to ever become our best selves without seeking to change unhealthy things and behaviors and cultures within our own life and in the world around us. Becoming is what it is to follow Christ. And repentance is one of the steps on the journey to becoming. So we can't just ignore it. We must must embrace this idea of repentance because it will help us in becoming. So I kind of have two thoughts around this. The first is, you need to take initiative. Because quite frankly, Pastor Curtis is not going to do it. right? I, I know maybe you grew up in a place where the pastor was more than happy to come and get all up in your grill and, and tell you what's wrong with your life. And right now I can, even, I can even hear Holly over here saying, you do that all the time. What are you talking about? <laughs> now some of you I have a particular kind of relationship with where I'm happy to do this. But in general, Pastor Curtis <laughs> is not going to come and point out your sins to you. Unless you invite me to. you know. <laughs> Pastor Curtis is not going to call you out on your stuff. But that doesn't mean that your stuff is all good right? Or healthy, or righteous, or helpful to yourself and to others. And so the invitation to, from John to repent and accept the forgiveness of sins is one that puts you in the driver's seat. Take initiative means that you're willing to really look at yourself. Look at yourself. 
You know, in recovery, this is called uh, a searching and fearless moral inventory of yourself. Folks, I forget which step it is, three or four, I think. But folks who are going through recovery from an addiction, this is one of the most important steps, is to look, do a self-examination, and to really take an honest look at who you are and who you want to be and who God wants you to be. In the case of the, of the person of faith, it's about opening one's heart to the Holy Spirit's examination and allowing that same Spirit to reveal those things that are getting in the way of your full and abundant life within the kingdom of God that Jesus promises. Our, our sins, our shortcomings, our missing the mark are obstacles to the fullness of God's abundance that God has done so much to bring to us. This is ultimately an orientation that allows you to even consider the possibilities of changing yourself and changing the situation around you. And, mind you, it's not just your own personal issues, but the sinfulness of the world around you as well. We're called to change everything. And I really think this is what John was getting at uh, with his baptism of repentance. When Jesus began his ministry in earnest, many did not follow him. Many laughed him off as just another Messiah coming through town. And no, there were many who did not find Jesus' message compelling. Christianity started as a rather small sectarian group within Judaism without a lot of fanfare and publicity. And I think that is because Jesus brought such a radically different idea of the way things should go that it would have been easy to overlook it unless unless you were in a place within yourself where you were open to start looking at yourself and looking at the world around you through different eyes. And when John invited all the people to come and join him in the waters of baptism and to repent and to turn away from the world and toward God and to receive the grace that comes with all of that, following Jesus was an easy step at that point because you've already oriented yourself to the things of God. So John, in preparing the way, said one of the best things you can do is to kind of get in touch with those obstacles that are getting in the way of you seeing where God is going. And it was a blessing to those who received it. John's baptism did this. Repent and be forgiven, for the kingdom of God is near. They had to really start seeing the world differently in order to buy into all of that. The other thing I wish to commend to you in regards to repentance today is this. Allow yourself to be spiritually accountable to someone. This is really something we Protestants gave away in the Reformation, is this notion of accountability to other humans. Everything came be, became personal between yourself and God. It's no one else's business. 
And, and that's great and all, but the effect of this is that you are trying to do it all on your own. And you're left to try and solve your issues all by yourself. And the faith community doesn't work that way. I think that's why God pulled us together. That's why Jesus prayed for the community to be one so that we would have each other to lean on and to hold each other accountable and to help each other along and to be on the journey together. And I encourage each of us to find a person whose spiritual opinion you trust, whose spirituality stands out to you, who knows you and loves you anyway, (laughs) who you can be completely honest with, and they can be completely honest with you. And when you're getting off base, someone you can tell about it. Let them pray with you and for you. Let them tell you where you are being foolish and stubborn. And let them offer you Christ's forgiveness. You know, I, I feel the presence of Jesus very close many, many times in my prayer life, in my spiritual life. But i got to tell you, there is nothing that beats. For me, my, my go-to guy is Pastor Tim. I've talked about him many times. He's my pastor. And he's the guy who holds me accountable. And nothing is the same as me laying something out to Pastor Tim and having him put his arm around me and tell me that I'm forgiven. That... Jesus forgives me. That God forgives me and loves me anyway. Man, sometimes we need to hear it from somebody. In those moments, we become the hands and feet of Christ. And we receive that from another human being. And it's a powerful and important part of our spiritual growth and our faith. It's an important thing to receive that. And this is the other aspect of repentance. The beauty and gift of forgiveness is that it offers us enough grace to not have to get it right all of the time. To stumble and fall. To start over and to move on. Even with the scars we receive. We're called to repent. To turn away from those things that are destructive and unhealthy for our lives and our soul. And when we fail, or even when we fail to try, God still loves us. That's the blessing couched in all of this. God still loves us and is patient and is forgiving, not wanting us to drown in our guilt and our shame. That's not productive. God doesn't want you to drown in guilt and shame. Yet God still wants you to become the person that God sees when God looks into your heart. And not to shame you into changing, but to allow you to be transformed by the renewing of your minds, by the grace of the Holy Spirit. So we're invited. Repent! Maybe I should say that differently. Repent. (laughs) Embrace the gift of repenting. Repent. 
and be forgiven. Embrace the love of Christ that rains down from heaven and washes us clean like a fresh spring rain. And do it a lot. (laughs) And find those important people in your life whom you can be painfully honest with about yourself. It doesn't have to be a pastor. It doesn't have to be It doesn't even have to be a church person, really. But someone who can call you on your stuff and help you get back on track. Repentance is a gift offered to us. And as we anticipate the coming of Christ, one of the ways we can prepare is to really take that inward look and allow the Spirit to reveal to us those things which come between us and the vision that God has for your life, my life, and our life together and help you see the person God sees as you struggle and strive to go on that journey of becoming. Let us pray. Gracious and loving God, we hear this word, repent. It's our prayer that we hear it anew in a new tone, with a new grace. And we embrace it as the gift it is. The gift of turning and returning to Your love, to Your acceptance and Your grace. We ask all these things in the precious and powerful name of Christ. Amen.